1: that i found with men it's not the purity issue it's the purpose issue who am i why am i here
2: it's not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood welcome to the men in the arena podcast where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood
0: I'm here with our producer and my good friend, Dale, my brother, Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Hey, good man. Hey, I'm really excited about today's guest. We haven't done an interview for like about two weeks now, I think. Yeah. Because you've been in Hawaii. Sorry. And I've been climbing you, mountains in, in
3: Wyoming. Wyoming
0: and yeah, carrying rocks around. Yeah, not summiting because I suck. Anyway, um, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited about today's uh, guest. He is an expert in helping men leave a lasting legacy. In fact, that's what he's really passionate about. And I just think that's so important for men to think that the things they're doing here affect way beyond what their their lifetime. And so I'm really excited about this guy and interviewing him about uh, one of the four books for men he's written. And so, mm-hmm. but before we do that, do you got a man word? I do. And it, if it's... it's legacy, I'm going to hit you, I'm going to swing <laughs> over the table and hit you. <laughs> It's either legacy or pillar. What is it? Are you going to throw all your guesses out? Transformed? I'm just going. With, I'm going. Well I'm going I'm going with legacy because that's you? like,
3: yeah, I'm going legacy. What's your word? I, I don't want to get hit, so I'm going to change my answer. <laughs> you really picked that. You can't pick the title of the book up in it's front not. of me and then put it down. Like I'm not going to see. You it? said pillars when I picked it up, and I was like, no, no. Well, so, okay, I, go ahead and do. I your went thing. with uh, legacy. Of course you did. Yes, yeah? I did. Vanilla. Be- <laughs> well, for me, this has been. Very pivotal in my life. It's the reason why I, I turned my stuff around, and uh, I could use a different word, but I don't talk like that anymore from before I had this epiphany. Oh, different word than stuff. Yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I had came to a realization in my life. If I were to die today, what would people say about me? And I said, "What kind of legacy are you going to leave, Dale?" Mm-hmm. And so it turned it, it that question changed my life, and. Uh, now I care about leaving a legacy where people make a difference in people's lives and people Sweet. have purpose. Yeah, well you're doing it, man. You got three godly kids and you're raising a son that you adopted from a,
0: a sister and yeah. his life is I've already seen the little guy change. I mean, I've already seen him change. He wouldn't even look at me, and now he always wants to hug me and Yeah. Play with Legos with me and stuff like that. I don't let him
3: borrow my Legos though. Don't touch my Legos. Anyway, yeah. hey, um, do you have a shout out for us today? I do. Hey, Razor Hog Four sent us a little. I like it. Our I'm... guys are so blue collar. I love it. <laughs> I'm sure it's a, a. I want an invite to go shoot a hog, baby. Come on now. He's probably a computer programmer. No, I'm sure he's not. <laughs> So Razor He's Hog. He's a man with a bow. Great review. Thank you so much. I'm glad this is helping the guys uh, uh, in your your ministry and your men's ministry and all that stuff. So hit me up with your uh, address, your information. I'll shoot you off some swag. Swag. Yeah, yeah I would
0: love to. Thanks, man. Brutally appreciate that. Keep those coming, guys. They move us up the SEO engines and uh, search engine optimization. So You're so smart. I'm so smart. Hey, I'm excited, man, today to get uh, my new friend Joe Pellegrino. He's 100% Italian, though. No way. I'm only a quarter, so I don't know if I can handle this guy. He's 57 years old. lives in Vero Beach, Florida, with his beautiful wife of 33 years, Beth Ann. He has, for the last 10 years, been the president of Legacy-Minded Men. Thus, we're throwing around the word legacy. And he's authored four books so far, Fathers Say, That's My Dad, Safe at Home, and transformed seven pillars of a legacy minded man which is the topic of today's podcast his mission in life is to see men become all that god created them to be and watch the wave of change that will bring they will bring to the world because when a man gets it
3: everyone i just threw that in there because
0: i know he wants that tagline now but it's ours so he can't have it so hey joe how you doing my man good to have you on the show
1: i'm doing awesome gentlemen how are you
0: Man, we're doing good. I'm excited to have you on there. Love that. Love that. They are probably going, "Man, I didn't know people in Florida talk like that."
1: <laughs> I'm a Jersey boy.
0: <laughs> I love going when we go travel and speak in Jersey or New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Boston, you know, these are I guess Boston is meant. I mean, I love the accents. It's So different than us over here in uh, in or in Oregon. We're just vanilla. We're just generic. You know, no <laughs> accents. We do too. Do we? Yeah, ask. I don't. Do I have an accent to you? You know, you really don't. It's kind of boring, <laughs> isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, it
0: is. It's kind of pathetic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, you
0: get a hundred percent time. By the time we get to the West Course, we're like a hundred percent nothing. <laughs> <So, laughs> That's like true. Pathetic. Hey, man. Hey, we're gonna. We're just gonna. We're gonna jump right in here in just a second. But I want you to give us about five minutes and tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Uh, I've been. I've made so many mistakes in my life, guys. As a matter of fact. When I was a kid, I told so many lies that to this day, I don't know what actually happened in my childhood. That's pretty sad. I, um, I, I wanted to be somebody and nobody told me I could be. And, and, and I figured, well, let me just make it all up. And, and the problem is going back in time now, I'll, I'll ask my sister, did this really happen? And you no, know, <laughs> it's it's, it's I, I made it all up. And um, it's funny, but it's really sad. Because I I had a good dad, a a father who was a good man, but he wasn't a great teacher. And he was was older when he had me. And, um, you know, I never really learned. Like, we always talk about, you know, be a man, be a man. But unless somebody tells you what a man really is, you never know. Yeah, true. And, And my dad really never told me what it was to be a man. As a matter of fact, my sex talk when I went off to college was, be careful. Two words. <laughs> I read that in your book. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, but that was my life before Christ. I was a, a liar, a cheat, a thief. I did so many things wrong. Uh, womanizer. I made a lot of mistakes guys, but the bottom line is on May 27th, 1995 at RFK stadium, I became a Christian at a promise keepers conference and it has changed my entire life.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, in May of 1995 in the L.A. Coliseum at a Promise Keepers conference, I became a man. And, and I was 28 years old, so we have that in common, So That's pretty cool, man. Well, yeah. I'm excited to get you on your show, man. Hey, I, what we're going to do right now, man, is I'm just going to throw you in to what we call our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. All right, buddy. So what I did is I I went on your website, I looked around, I read your book, and I've pulled a... Just Two word phrases out of your stuff. And so I want to, I'm going to throw those out to you. And I want you to give me a kind of your guttural, gut level thought of these phrases and what they mean to you. Okay. Yes, sir. All right, man. Here you go. First one is this is an obvious one. We'll start with an easy one. Legacy minded. Legacy minded is the
1: most powerful thing any man could be could could have a, a, in their mindedness in terms of this. When we hear legacy-minded, people think about leaving a legacy for the next generation and then the generation. All true. But unless it's a Christ-centered legacy, it means nothing. We could leave millions of dollars. We could leave a great name. But unless it is Christ-centered in our mindedness, our legacy-mindedness, it really means nothing. So I believe that in order for every man to be who God crafted them to be, he has to be a Christ-centered, legacy-minded man.
0: That's really interesting. I'm going to come back and ask you a question I have about that, because I do agree with you, obviously, but I do have a question about that. That's good stuff. So the next phrase, and I'm, I'm really curious about this one. You actually have a book of the same title, and the phrase is, Fathers Say.
1: Yeah. Uh, that book was all about celebrities and their relationship with their fathers in terms of the words that were spoken to their to mm. these celebrity children and i really believe that men we have power in our words and we need to recognize it and fathers say actually if you go to our uh, the, the site fatherssay.com you will see a three step process to blessing your children first of all process number 1 is engaging men to recognize that there is power in their words that the words that are emanating from their mouth are carry a lot of power with them and we don't realize that it leads to number two which is encouraging men to now speak a blessing over their children or a child in need and that doesn't mean just in face-to-face we're talking about capturing the, the power of the words the blessing spoken to their child on video in audio so that the child has it no matter what happens going forward if their father dies they always have his words to come back to, looking in his eyes when he spoke those words. So it's, imp- it's powerful. And then equip them by mentoring them, taking your children or a mentee down the road and teaching them what it means to be a man of God, a legacy-minded man.
0: You know, it's really interesting because when you talk about this cup of blessing, you know, you, you go to the gospel accounts. The father speaks three times audibly in the gospels. Two of those times are at the transfiguration of Jesus and the baptism of Jesus. And he says the same thing. This is my son, who I love, in him I am well pleased. And I thought about that as a father. We have two things that we can give to our children that are unconditional. Love and belonging. You are my son. You are my daughter. No matter what you do, no one will ever take that away. And no matter what you do, I love you. And so I think that is so powerful, man. I love it. Well, let, let me
1: look, if I can. What we did is, I did and I didn't realize this was going to happen, but when we threw it out there and said, hey, look, we're going to set up a video studio, come in, record these videos. We'll take care of the cost that you can get it out to your children. There was one man who had been estranged from two of his daughters for 11 years. He went in, recorded videos, found them on Facebook, posted the videos and reached out to his girls, and he reconnected with one of his girls, because we taught him that open up with an apology. Number two, tell him from afar, I've seen what a what a wonderful young woman you've become. And number three, tell him the changes that Christ has made in his life and that he would love to share that life with her. And one of the two daughters reconnected. I never saw that coming, but it is really powerful when we share our hearts with, with our children and with our mentees, not only blessing them but teaching them what it what it what what forgiveness can look like.
0: Mm, that's so powerful, man. Well, you know, I do a message on this this Matthew 17 and I actually ask men to stop text their kids, they love them, and the responses back are hilarious. Are you okay? Are you going to commit suicide <laughs> because some yeah. of these kids have just never heard it from their Christian dads? Sure, And it's just, I, you know, they, we need to say I love you till it's boring. We need to tell them they're our sons and daughters till they're bored by it, you know. And so I, I love that. Funny
1: funny story. Uh, two of my kids, my my youngest daughter, uh, son and my middle daughter, they, I, 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 he prays on my kids all the time. And I tell them that God has something really powerful for you. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, something specific for them. Yeah. And now they're like, Dad, would you stop praising us up and down? And I'm like, wow, I never received one word of praise growing up. And I told them there is no way I am stopping because it's all real. It's from my heart, and it's what I see.
0: Yeah, that's really good, man. I appreciate that. So you spend some time on this in your book, and this is actually one of my favorite chapters of your book, but the two words I want to want you to discuss here are default persona.
1: Yeah, uh, default persona is... I like to say it's who we are when our back is against the wall. You know, <laughs> it's, it's when you squeeze a tomato, orange juice does not come out. Tomato juice comes out. When our life is squeezed, when we're putting that corner or our back is against the wall, we think that we can handle it because we're getting squeezed. And the challenge, though, is what we've poured into our lives, that's what's going to come out.
3: Mm. Fear, uh,
1: lies. Whatever we have to do to get through that situation, that's what it could, what's, what's going to come out. So it's really what the dog we feed is the one that's going to grow. And we need to be able to pour into ourselves, you know, a, an understanding of, I think, three things. Number one, understanding of who we are, how God wires our character. Number two, the attitude that we're going to carry out into society. And number three, to hold both of those things together, we need to build a powerful inner circle of men around us who we trust our lives with. If you put those three components together, your default persona that will come out when your back is against the wall is the one that will be God glorifying. And that is essential. We need to pour into ourselves. We can't expect to just flip a switch and turn it on and something's going to happen. That's why we call it a default persona.
0: That's good, man. My uh, football coach in college, Pat Malley, said you can tell the true character of a man by how he handles losing. And I, I think that's that crisis. But you, in your book, on page 49, you said, But oftentimes our default persona is most clearly revealed in times of crisis. For Tyson, it was the fight with Holyfield, while for others it is a loss, a financial struggle, or a temptation. And I wrote down here, uh, when my back is against the wall, I get impatient. I get loud and obnoxious. So I'm, I'm working on that. So I appreciate that uh, personally mm-hmm. from your book, man. That was really good stuff. The last thing I have for you, and I, I'm curious about this because this wasn't in your book. This is off your website, and I read it, and I understand it, but our guys listening won't know, and if they buy your book, uh, Transform Seven Pillars of Legacy-Minded Man, it's not in that book. So I want you to explain this. Legacy Ambassadors. This is um, something that came up
1: about, about April 28th of 2018. We were doing our first uh, 360 Conference on Demand, which is a conference that is fully video-driven. It enables churches uh, to, you know, host a conference any day they want, uh, where they get to preview the entire contents of every word spoken at that conference. And the videos, for example, one, we did one called Transform, which featured Dr. Tony Evans, Kenny Locke, some of the best speakers, men speakers in the world. But what I what I noticed is we had signed 28, 21 churches around the world to test this, and there was one church in New York City that backed out about two weeks before. And, and one of the men from that church called me up and he said, hey, listen, the church backed down, but I would love to do this in my house. Can we do the conference in my house? And I thought about it. And I said, Acts 2, absolutely. Let's do this. So we sent him all the material. He did the conference in his house. It was seamless. And it flowed right through into the other two tiers of the uh, the 360 discipleship program that we have. And I started to realize the power of what we were talking about. Bottom line is a legacy ambassador is a man who steps up and he says, I want to host a men's conference in my home for 5, 10, 15, 25 guys, depending on the size of his home. And then that group of men will go through this two to three hour conference, watching it on his screen or projector. And after that, they then go through life by going through what we call transformed discipleship an eight week Discipleship training series, all on video, and then they stay together going forward in what we call a legacy group. So the goal here is to keep the discussion going, keep men engaged with each other, go through life—not necessarily a Bible study, although although the Bible is absolutely foundational. When you do this, it enables you equip you're equipping men to reach out to their neighbors, their family, their workers to bring them in, getting men involved and saying, "I'm going to take a piece." A bite out of this problem that we have in the world today, which is men who have abdicated their role as leaders, husbands, and fathers.
0: So, so, so basically, with legacy-minded man, you start off with a conference that's uh, uh, televised, it's pre-recorded, and then you go move into. So, the guys from that conference will break into groups for eight weeks, and then yeah. they then uh, from the- and then after the eight weeks, they go to these legacy groups. Are those even smaller groups?
1: It's actually all the same thing. Oh, okay. The the, the transformed discipleship is, for example, if a church does this conference on demand, which basically says they call us and we want to schedule a conference. Well, you you don't have to tell me the day. We'll just give you the download instructions. You download the conference. It's all prepackaged, including breakout sessions on the screen. It's extremely well done. The tops, like I said, incredible speakers. And I actually act as the MC, so I carry it all along. They provide a worship team. Uh, A pastor comes up, greets everybody, they press play, and for two to three hours, depending on the conference, it goes forward. Then we ask the the church to say, let's break men into groups of two to 12 men. They go through the eight-week Transform Discipleship Series, which is a, a video series based on my book, Transform, and then those men stay together in what we call a legacy group, which is basically doing life together. And we provide an app that basically, on a weekly basis, we give you a new three to five minute video training. With discussion questions, so we put discipleship in the hand of every man. So a man cannot say, "Well, I'm not a leader, so I can't do this." Well, yes, you can. You just need to be a facilitator because we're giving you all the tools to make this happen. Because guys, we have to keep men engaged. We can't just get them excited about a major, you know, uh, 50,000 men in a in a in a conference setting and then let them go. And there's nothing there. We have to keep them engaged, and we've recognized that that is a major issue, and we've addressed.
0: Man, that's really cool. So, so Legacy-Minded Men. So your mission is to move men from being unengaged and apathetic to someone who's fully engaged and a man of action. Through Servant-Based Ministry, LMM, I'm just calling it LMM, comes alongside the local church, helps them build or assist with their men's ministry, ultimately affecting a man's family, his workplace, and the community he serves in in a powerful way. So tell us about Legacy-Minded Men, and why did you start it? Tell us the journey of that, because that's a ten-year-old ten-year journey, right?
1: Yeah, and my wife and I, we uh, we had co-owned a newspaper, and we decided we wanted to do something powerful for abused children. So we we created something called um, Adopt a Child, and we worked with the Division of Youth and Family Services in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. and they gave us the names of the children who had um, you know were in the. They were abused and they were in foster homes and so forth. And they told us what their Christmas wish was. So we we published it in our newspaper and we had people adopt those children for the Christmas season. And over the course of 11 years, we provided 20,000 children with over 50,000 gifts out of our home. We were actually the largest donors in the entire state of New Jersey. We were the volunteers of the year in the year 2000. But in the year 2008, in the fall, I just started sensing well, Lord, really, what are we doing here? We're giving gifts. Yes, we're putting a gospel of John in those gifts, but are we having any eternal consequences? And that's when the Lord really spoke to me. And he said, I need you to speak to men. I need you to build up men. And of course, I had to look in the mirror and say, my goodness, I need to be built up as a man. (laughs) So I started realizing this was powerful. And so we told the, the group that we could no longer do that. And people were very upset with us. Cause as I said, we were the largest donors in the entire state, but I knew that God called me to, to do this. So I was a, a, an elder on a, at a mega church in New Jersey. I went to the board and I said, guys, would you give me the keys to the, the, the sprawling campus for two days? I want to do a men's conference. And they did. And we did our first legacy minded man conference. And we had 368 men at that first conference. And that's how it started in June of 2009.
0: Man, that is really cool. I, I really appreciate your journey. I, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, the things you're saying are so close to my heart and our DNA here with Men in the Arena. Uh, but I want to do the reigning part of this podcast. I want to get on and look at your book, Transformed, Seven Pillars of a Legacy-Minded Man. And uh, in your book, uh, you have these seven pillars, and I love it. They all start with the letter P. So I'm just going to read them out loud. First of all, let me just say this. Your foundational... Uh, you know, all the pillars rest on a foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. And so, I really appreciate that because that really is the truth. And your seven pillars are prayer, persona, purity, purpose, priorities, perseverance, and power. And with the overarching umbrella or the foundation of Jesus Christ. So, so why? So, and you said this earlier. You said unless uh, a, uh, unless a, a life is cre- is Christ centered, legacy means nothing. And so, uh, and and you address this in your book. But I'm going to ask the question for the guys who haven't read your book. You know, Joe, you and I know a lot of guys that are Christians that are horrible people. Mm -hmm. Let's just be real about this. You talk, Mm -hmm. you know, we've seen we've seen in recent newspaper articles, we've seen uh, uh, famous Christian authors and worship leaders completely denounce Christ. We've seen Mm -hmm. mega church leaders in the last two years who had mega churches, bigger churches in the country, have moral failures, and Mm -hmm. so it becomes clear to me that you can be a christian and still do horrible horrible things and i know mm-hmm. that you agree with that but but mm-hmm. so i want you to explain this christ centered and this difference between these the men that say jesus is savior versus jesus is lord you know what when, oh, when you say when uh, you say jesus is foundational you're talking way beyond i'm a christian right yeah here's the bottom line <laughs>
1: Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and believe in your heart, God raises from the dead, you will be saved. Those are two pieces. One is a head knowledge and one is a heart knowledge. Love it. The problem is this. I can use my mouth to say anything I want. I can claim Jesus is Lord, but making him my Lord is a whole other ball game. Salvation is a wonderful thing. There are, there are a lot of people like myself, I'm sure, that are going to get into heaven with you know, holding on by their their, their fingernails. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is this. I believe Christian is a verb. It's an action word. Faith is an action word. And we need to see the fruits of our belief system. That's why I, I, when I do my workshops, I'll ask people this question. Can you tell me what you believe? Now, you know something, gentlemen? I would say 99.98% of people will tell you what they believe. But when I do the follow-up question, that's where the problem comes in. And that follow-up question, why? Why do you believe what you believe? And, and you see, here's where the problem comes in, gentlemen. It's that they were told or taught what to believe. Their professors, their family, their friends, they never actually made it their own. And that's where the problem comes in. You see, lordship, means I have turned my life over to someone else. In this case, Jesus Christ. Until you put your keys in his hand and slide over to the passenger side, you can never experience all the blessings God has for you. I firmly believe that with every fiber of my being. So there are a lot of Christians who who claim Jesus is Lord, but in fact, many of them don't even know who he is.
0: You know what's funny, Joe? I was going to say, you know what my follow-up question is? Show me your phone. <laughs> Let me look at your internet history. Let me look yeah. at your bank account statements. Let me yeah, look at right. you know what you spend your time doing. I'll tell you who's God in your life. You know what I'm saying? And one Absolutely. of the things I don't even use the word Christian anymore. I use follower of Jesus because you know the guys that are listening to this podcast. And there are thousands of them. We have a a group of guys now that are like crazy in love with this podcast from uh cape town south africa the guys of zeal and uh tennis coach over there uh gene and and uh just these they're all over the world right now but one of the things that we know is is we can tell how these guys are living based on what they're doing about it <laughs> not yeah. what they're saying about it because t- yep. talk is cheap right and so right uh, absolutely that's so good absolutely. man hey i want to unpack the seven pillars And uh, a couple quotes in your book, really, I loved them. I hadn't read them before. And the first pillar I want to talk about is prayer. Uh, You quote Martin Luther on page 25 with a powerful quote. He said, Mm -hmm. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And you called this chapter the most important chapter on the book. And then on page 37, you wrote... Becoming a man of prayer will not happen by accident. Without overwhelming, a lot of times guys like you and I get on these shows and we overwhelm guys because we're so passionate. Without overwhelming our arena men, you know what What do you think? And I love your, your co-author, Jack. Was it Jack? Yes. I love how you guys unpacked this. You were authentic. You were real. You shared your struggle with prayer in this book. Uh, versus mm-hmm. structured prayer versus uh unceasing prayer will you share mm-hmm. with us what prayer should look like for a legacy minded man
1: uh, first of all prayer is a vertical between you and the creator
3: mm. of mm. you
1: that's really important that's our foundation we as you saw uh, guys I, I, I think I put a little disclaimer right at the beginning there and say you know don't don't stop reading this book because we started with prayer everything <laughs> starts with with prayer. And I'm a man who has struggled with prayer because, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a type a personality. What a surprise, right? And uh, (laughs) I am incredibly driven and I need to see who I'm talking to. But when you recognize that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of me, the guy who, who saw me in my mother's womb, uh, who who knows everything I'm going to do and has set purpose for me, specific purpose for me. He wants to have a relationship with me. Yeah, let me let me take a step back, guys. If if you could meet anybody in the world and sit at their feet, and they were going to pay your expenses to meet with them, you could eat with them, you could ask them any question. Boy, I bet you guys that are listening to this right now, they got a whole bunch of men that they would love to sit and talk to, guys in finance and sports and this and that. And you would sit at their feet with bated breath, looking, uh, waiting on every word. But here's the thing that blows me away and that really made my me look at this whole differently. The creator, the guy who's got all the answers, who wrote the book, the book, he wants to talk with me. So we need to start with that vertical, keeping that line of communication open. And it's going to look different for every man. As we talked in the book, I'm a guy who prays throughout the day. I will, I will see something. I will think about something. I will pray about it jack he would go on his microwave literally put a half hour on the timer and he would pray until the bell went off different styles for different people <laughs> yeah. the important thing is that we communicate with the king with the god the creator that is so utterly important i cannot stress it enough everything starts with prayer
0: you know you said you said a really powerful statement joe and I want to just mention it. You said he wants to talk with me, and yes. I, and I want to say two things there. First of all, God wants to talk, so shut up and listen.
3: <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I
0: I have two pages of notes right here. This is my last two prayer prayer times. I just mm-hmm. go in and my prayer. I'm a loud, uh, fast talking guy, but my prayer life is very quiet because mm-hmm. I, I I I really get. A lot from God. Then you said something else. You said He wants to talk with me, yes, not to me, correct. With me. So this is important. Yeah. He wants to. You know, mm-hmm. people go. What does it look like to have a relationship? Well, shut up and listen. You know, just shut yeah. up and listen. Let God talk to you. Spend the time to get alone. Get in the mountains. Go. Uh, you know, go go go. Sit by a park bench. Go somewhere and just get alone. So that's so powerful, man. I and I and it is a struggle for men. We're so compartmentalized. Yeah. You know so yeah.
1: and, and you want know let's be let's be honest here you know guys will say, well wait a minute how could it be a bilateral conversation? How, how can we do that Here's the thing when we're praying to God and here's the part where he talks he might not talk audibly to you most people he doesn't but just on this podcast alone, your prayers he could be answering them right now speaking through myself or you guys or somebody in on, on one of your other podcasts. The bottom line is we have to have listening ears, which is so difficult for men. And we have to recognize that where Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't mean to just shut down. It means to be aware of his presence. Correct. You know, just let it drape over you. Look for the answers in a tree, in a leaf, in in an animal. It's amazing how God speaks to us.
0: That's I love that analogy. Let him dra- let it drape over you. Just, mm. just let you know. We and, t- and cognitively we know that's already true, right? And we know he's yeah. in us and he's with us. You know John fourteen and sixteen, but to to allow that process to happen is, is so powerful. So I really appreciated mm. that chapter. Uh, I have two favorite chapters, Joe, in your book.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Uh, I have two favorite chapters, and one of them is pillar two. Pillar mm. two is something I've been personally working on. Uh, and you know this as as leaders of men's ministries, uh, the greatest thing that God does and the greatest work he does is probably going to be in us and through mm-hmm. then through us. And so mm-hmm. character development is so so important. And so pillar yeah. two is persona. And, and yeah. you wrote, you wrote, many men flounder. this is so good, man. This is such an Italian statement, but I love this statement. Many men flounder in a jumbled mess of mixed messages about man what manhood truly is. man, that is so true. So, mm-hmm. so, so what do you mean by persona? And in your, in your chapter, uh, every, we, we tend to define character and integrity. We kind of go back and forth on those. So your definition of character is a little different than mine. So I want you to explain yeah. it. I think it's so good. So what do you mean by persona and how is character so important in building our persona?
1: Well, character is a sum of all parts that adds up to who you are.
0: Can you say and- that again? Say that again.
1: No, I said it one time, and that's all I'm going to (laughs) do.
0: You're fired. You're fired.
1: (laughs) Uh, Character is the sum of all parts that adds up to who you are. Gosh, that's good. Who you really are. And all of our life experiences, all our decisions have made us who we are today. We are the character that we are right now because of those decisions. And it's funny because as I look back on my life, you know, the only character I had in my life was the character I became when I was a kid, (laughs) you know, I was, I was a joke. And, you know, we, a lot of people try and and falsely make these changes in their life, thinking that something's going to really radically change in their life. But the bottom line is we need to recognize that character is developed over time and it's built on our attitude structure, how we approach things and the people we surround ourselves with. I mean, you know uh, first Corinthians 1533 says, "Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Therefore, the opposite is true. Good company promotes good character. So those people that you surround yourself with are there not to tear you down, but to build you up mm. and to raise you up to levels that you never, ever dreamed you can go through. You know, Aaron and her and her, her, uh, held up Moses' arms. And when they did, the battle was won. When they dropped his arms, the battle was lost. We have to recognize we live in a world where understanding what a man is has become so diluted and polluted that we need godly men who are going to hold our arms up and let us be who God crafted us to be. Because if not, where is the church in 20 years? Where is manhood in 20 years? I shudder to think.
0: Man, that is You know what? We you know most of our guys listening right now they're driving to and from work listening to this podcast. And I think one of the greatest things some of these guys can do to go to the next level is get rid of their high school buddies and their drinking buddies from college. Just get rid of them. Find some other guys mm-hmm. that are going to challenge you, be a man, grab a hold of them. And get rid of these guys. I mean, yep. I mean, I know that sounds harsh, but I mean, some of these guys just need to cut their friends loose. And that will change their life. It'll be a miracle.
1: <laughs> I have not one friend from high school and not one friend from college. That's just the way it is. And the people I surround myself with now are building me up and pushing me to the new level. But let me tell you, gentlemen, when you get to a new level, there's a new devil. And that new devil is looking to beat you and push you back down. And they get stronger with each level that you go through. And that's why, guys, if you don't surround yourself with godly men and start talking to the creator about what you ha- what he has in store for you and building that strong persona, a, a, a godly man, a man of integrity,
0: you're in trouble. That is so true. I love that quote in your book, when God takes you to a new level, there'll be a new devil. Hey, we're going to come back after we take a short break and hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back at you.
2: The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots-on-the-ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode.
0: So speaking of a new level, uh, you know, you kind of, you know, poor Mike Tyson, you told his story. And, you know, when you and I were growing up, when we were young men, he was like the king, right? Uh, Video games were made after him. Tyson That's said right. on page forty-four. You quoted him, and I, this is the I, I've never heard this quote, Joe, and I love this quote. I'll never forget it. You said this from Tyson. Tyson said, "Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth." Yep. <laughs> is that oh, good? I love it. So, so you know, so and you share in your book a little bit about uh, Tyson's uh, circle of influence and how one man kind of changed his life. Why, why do you think that's so important, that, that having those guys? Why, why do you think that it's so critical that we have those guys? You know,
1: I will illustrate it this way. Uh, one of my uh, talks, I use dogs and, and their owners. And the dog actually looks exactly like the owner. The owner has groomed that dog to look like them. The, they, they're hysterical photos, but you can't get away from the truth. Behind the image and that is those people that we hang out with. We are going to look like That's why mentoring the next generation is essential And in order for us to properly mentor the next generation to look the right way We have to look the right way. Yeah, you know my I When I was younger my wife said to me why are your friends 10 years older than you? And I said because I cannot learn from my contemporaries I want to learn from the men who have walked in the shoes that I'll be walking to help me avoid the pit hole, the, the, the potholes along the way. That's what I, that's why I hung out with guys older than me. And I really believe that today I look at that and I realize that's important. But those men that are, I'm going to look to have to be men who understand who God is in their life.
0: That's so wise. If we can get guys to do that, that, that we just need to find somebody to mentor us, somebody that we can also mentor and lock arms with these guys. So Pillar, we all need a mentor. I agree. 100 I've got a guy mentoring me right now. He took, uh, he's eighty five years old. He took Moda from a bankrupt company at five four million dollars, and he's and, he, and hmm. when he quit, they were at five hundred million dollars and five hundred employees, and now the Portland Trail Blazers play in their arena, and uh, yeah. this guy. And you know what? The funny part: all we ever deal with is character. Yeah. His thing is, Ramos, yeah. I don't care what you do or what you—it's all about character, man. It's all about character. So pillar three is purity. We spend a lot of time on this uh, with our guys. What, what, and you call it—you call purity the pathway to God's presence and power. Will you elaborate mm-hmm. on that?
1: Yes. We start with prayer. Prayer is a vertical between you and God. When, you, when you're, you're connecting with God, he'll reveal to you who you are, the real you. And that's your persona. In order for you to move to pillar four, which we're going to get to purpose, you need to remain pure. So purity is actually the bridge between persona and purpose. This is Uh. where so many men fall. We lose it right here. We fall off the bridge. And purity, let's be clear about that. We're not only talking about sexual purity. We're talking about the purity of how we run our finances, the purity of how we do our business, all this. Is is the is is the bridge that is either strong or it will crumble, and we can never ever get to God's purpose for our life because we fell short in purity.
0: Well, and that's what I loved about your chapter, Joe. You didn't just camp on sexual purity. You know, it reminded me of Jesus' words. You know, those who can be trusted and little can be be trusted with more, and and Mm -hmm. and that's what you're talking about. Purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God in our in our motives in our actions uh in everything we do and so i really did appreciate that and i appreciated your take on that because we always want to take it to sex and a lot of times yeah. money is a bigger problem or power is a sure. bigger problem or pride is a bigger mm-hmm. problem and so yeah. uh, that's money's so- been
1: a problem pride's been a problem lust has been a problem all these have been problems that i've had yeah <laughs> I, you know uh, so and, and and still now listen look, look we're being full disclosure here i still don't challenge with a lot of this. Oh, yeah. And that's why we need people in our lives who could say, hey, Joe, you told me that I could speak truth into your life. I'm seeing this and I need to receive that. And just like he's given me the ability to speak into his life. That's why these relationships, these these inner circle relationships of two, three, four men are so essential to growth.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. That's so good. So pillar four is purpose. Uh you, and this is a huge issue for guys. I believe guys are very mission-driven. Our relationships are mission-driven. We we rally around a, a common cause or a theme. Women just rally around relationships. But men, we need something beyond that. Uh, on page 71, you offer three uh, ways a man can discover purpose. Uh, do you want to walk us through those, or do you want me to read them first? Or?
1: yeah, it's real quick. Okay. Uh, first of all, there, there is a fourth, which is actually the first. That's uh, built into the, the paragraph before, but it's all about understanding that everything, the foundation of purpose is the word of God and prayer. Yeah, yeah. Everything's going to emanate from there. Now, if you want to start looking for what your what your particular purpose is, number one, you have to recognize this, that God crafted you for two purposes. One is general purpose, which is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. We know that is the Great Commission. If you call yourself a Christian, man or woman, all of us fall under that. That's a general purpose. However, in Ephesians 2.10, it, tell, it, it says, You are God's workmanship, crafted in Christ Jesus to do good works, which I prepared in advance for you to do. So those that's a specific purpose. So in order to find that specific purpose, start asking yourself these questions, three of them. What are you passionate about? Oftentimes, God reveals and hints what our purpose is through our passion. What are you good at? You know, God will reveal who we are, what we're we're destined to do by what we're good at, how you know the giftedness that we have, and number three, what does my inner circle think? So once I take these two items, I bring it to the people that know me best, and and conclude my wife, and say, guys, I believe the convergence point of my passions and my strengths, if you will, is my purpose, and a lot of times that is true. But you want outside eyes, godly eyes, looking in to, to share with, with you the truth about what they say. I think that is really cool because this, guys, is the biggest challenge that I found with men. It's not the purity issue. It's the purpose issue. Who am I? Why am I here?
0: Who am I and why am I here are the greatest questions a guy can ask. I love what you said. Mm-hmm. You sa- you sa- you kind of ran by it, but I want to stop and say this, guys. You said, include my wife. Yeah. <laughs> you Hey, if you want a reality check, you better yeah, include yeah. your wife because yeah, your wife absolutely. helped you launch your ministry. My wife yep. helped me launch my ministry. Five years before I launched it, I said, hey, honey, I feel like God is calling me to a national ministry. What do you think? <laughs> do you think I can do it? She goes, yeah, except for one thing. I go, what? She goes, you never asked for help. You need uh, to ask for help. If you're never going to ask for help, you're not going to have a national ministry. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay. True. So our wives yep. are going to be brutally honest with us because I think yep. they probably love us more than our buddies and they're more invested.
1: Absolutely. They, are, <laughs> they have a piece of the puzzle here. Yeah, right? they do. They, and, and and their life is going to be affected by our decisions. And my goodness, I learned the hard way. I lost the business because I didn't listen to my wife. And it cost us 14 years of being in the hole. So I I know what it means to listen to my wife, not that you have to accept everything that she's saying, but you need to hear what she's saying. Let her have that ability. First of all, it'll it'll give her a pride of ownership as well that I think is really important for a relationship, and especially if you're going in ministry.
0: So you said pillar four is the tough one. I, I thought pillar five for men. Uh, I think when a man gets pillar four down, pillar five becomes the next most difficult thing because he's got to learn to to prioritize. Which is the next pillar. And, I, you know, especially a guy on mission like you are, like I am, like a lot of our guys in the arena, we we tend to get out of whack with our priorities because we're so passionate about the mission. You wrote, quote, sometimes good can be the enemy of the great. And I love that. You also talk about Covey's Big Rocks, uh, Mm -hmm. the Big Rocks, and I love that. How do you see priorities and values as different or similar?
1: Priorities and values. Priority is planning. You know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Yep, we all know yep, that. One. Yep. The, the bottom line is this. Uh, men are very poor at priorities and their priorities can be really out of whack. If we do not start our priorities, understanding that we need to pray about it first and we need to understand what God's word says about it. A lot of people will. We, I'll talk to or I'll counsel, I'll say, well, the plans that you have Do they in any way go against what the word of God has to say? Do they build people up or tear them down? You see, you can start eliminating a lot of things off of your priority list by asking yourself some simple questions. Priorities are essential. And I I tell a story. Well, first of all, I just told the story about adopt a child, you know, where I gave up something that was good because I believe God called me to do something great. Yes. So I had to reprioritize my life. A lot of times we can make our own list, but we need that inner circle, their eyes to look at it too and help us down that road. And, um, you know, I I just think, yes, you know, when you say, well, Joe, you said purpose is one of the big stumbling points. Every one of these is a stumbling point for me, (laughs) you know, and and, and they're in a particular order where if you fall off the grid on any one, you'll never get to pillar seven, which is where everybody wants to be. I truly believe that. So these are all building blocks. We're bring, building new pillars on the powerful foundation of Jesus Christ. And when we're done with those seven pillars, we can now erect you know, the top of it to make it look solid and, and, and feel solid in our lives.
0: Oh man, I really appreciate that. I, you know, I, I was thinking about Nehemiah. You know, they're Bellat, and they're trying to get him to come down and and deceive him. And he said, "Hey, I'm doing a great thing, and I cannot come down." And right. and we just have to be men who say, "Listen, I'm doing a great thing. Uh, I, I'm I'm going off the eldership of my church, and I'm in a great church, and I love my church. But I I can't do it all, and I have to make a decision: Is it going to be my ministry? What I can't spread myself too thin." Uh, because right. of this. And so I really appreciate that. So for me, my most enjoyable chapter in your book. and, mm-hmm. and when when I read a book, a guy can't help have favorites, right? Sure. And so the most enjoyable chapter in my book, um, was was the chapter uh, pillar six, Perseverance. Mm-hmm. I, I just I resonate with that. We live in a world of quitters, and uh, it, you know, we even have no fault divorce. I don't hmm. understand that. you know. And so hmm. on page 102 of your book, you wrote, uh, and this is so powerful, Joe, I really appreciate this quote. You wrote, the race of life is not won by the fastest or the one who looks the best, but the one who perseveres and builds each and every day. Will you share with us the story about you and Dave Swanson and, and how so, men have to get this pillar? We have to get this pillar. Yeah, first I'll tell you this. Uh, as I do my Transform Workshops,
1: around the country, pastors will say to me, hey, I want you to do the seven pillars, but can you focus on number six? Because our <laughs> men are quitters. Oh, yeah. Let, They're let, soft. Oh, absolutely. True. So, well, I, so yeah. what you're yeah. saying is absolutely true. Uh, I, um, when I became a Christian in 1988, and again, I don't really use that date because my life from 1988 to 1995 was anything but God glorifying. But for the sake of the story, I became a Christian and I married my two, my loves together my love of Jesus and my love of baseball. And I wanted to write a book (laughs) about Christian baseball players. Had no idea how to do it because I had two deficiencies. Number one, I couldn't write. And number two, I didn't know any of the Christian baseball players. But one of my business partners (laughs) at the time was a former New York Yankee.
0: That's a problem. And his
1: name is Billy Sample. And Billy gave me what I considered to be the holy grail of baseball at the time. It was a major league baseball players Guide, And as I'm thumbing through this thing, with all this private information, I see right at the top of a page, Baseball Chapel. And I'm like, that sounds really cool. Then I look at the next line, Executive Director Dave Swanson. But the next line blew me away. It was the address. It was Bloomingdale, New Jersey, which was literally 20 minutes from my house. So I picked up the phone and I called Dave Swanson. I said, Mr. Swanson, my name is Joe Pellegrino. I love Jesus and I love baseball. And I want to write a book about Christian baseball players. Can you help me? And he said, why don't you go and call me in three months? So I hung up the phone, a little puzzled, but I put it on my calendar. Three months later goes by, I see on my calendar, I call him up. I said, Mr. Swanson, you told me to call you in three months. He said, call me in three months. I said, okay. So another three months goes by, I call him up. Then I said, Mr. Swanson, he said, uh, yeah, call me in three months. And I said, are you kidding me? Are you serious about this? So now it's literally one year out. And I said, all right, I'll call this guy one more time. So I call him up and I said, Mr. Swanson, this is Joe Pellegrino. He said, meet me at the Kinlon Spa Diner in 20 minutes. Well, the Kinlon Spa Diner was about 20 minutes away. I'm sitting in my gym shirt. I run upstairs. I put a suit on. I bolt out the door. I get to the diner and standing at the front door is a six foot three imposing bald man with a scowl on his face. And I looked at him and I said, Mr. Swanson. And he just nods his head. He opens the door. I go to put my hand to shake his hand. He puts in my hand a piece of paper. He goes to the waitress to get seated. I quickly look on the paper, and I see it's the names of all the Christian major leaguers that go to chapel. So we're, get, we're heading to the table, and I couldn't wait. I grabbed him by the back of the shirt, and I said, Mrs. Swanson, why now? And he said to me, sit down, Joe. He said, my family owned Thomas English Muffins. He said, I was in charge of purchasing. I never bought from a salesman the first time he came. I never bought the second time he came. I never bought the third time he came. But he said, if that guy persisted and persevered for that fourth time, he had a customer for life. You just did it. That (laughs) was mind blowing for me. He became my surrogate father, my mentor. He got me involved in baseball chapel. I actually told that story at his funeral. But that man impacted my life so greatly. And it's all because I didn't quit. And he taught me something so powerful that day.
0: Man, we live in a yeah we live in a world of quitters, and I just have a pet peeve against that. And uh, to me, to me, Joe. Again, I read about fifty books a year, and so Mm -hmm. for the podcast and just for personal pleasure. And when I read that chapter, it was a drop the mic moment for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was done. That's all I needed to hear. Uh, I loved it. Okay, but then you had one more. You had one more chapter, one more pillar, and just from a you know uh, cor- uh, armchair quarterback standpoint, I thought, well, this seventh pillar would have been perfect in position number two, and perseverance perfect in position number seven. So I'm just curious because I know you thought this through and you were very strategic. You said you built the pir- pillars one on top of the other. So I want to talk mm-hmm. about uh, pillar seven, which is power: the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit unleashed. And so, uh, you know, I've been in ministry three decades now. I've seen countless Christian men who are broken, defeated, and powerless, or ones who once had power and lost it somehow. So I for you and I, I can tell you and I are not theologic theological, we're not gonna do a theological tango because we're just kind of get it done, guys. But yes. but how does a man without doing this theological tango, how does a man move from Jesus as savior to Lord? And how does he, how does a quote, Christian man discover God's power in his life to live in victory? I mean, this is your drop the mic chapter. What why is the Holy Spirit so vital in the in the life of a legacy-minded man?
1: That is the absolute glue piece. That is the release piece. You see, when a man climbs the mountain and he gets to the top, that is where the glory is, the glory of the heavens. They're declaring God's creation. And in order for a man to climb the, the pillars, he gets to this point and now recognizes because he's been educated, he understands things, he's been through his prayer with God. God's revealed to him who he is. He's maintained his purity so purpose can start to become clear to him. And he's prioritized his life in such a way that he's going to get that victory, but he's got to persevere because it's not going to be easy. And when he gets there, when he gets to that point, he now recognizes that there is something so powerful in him, in him, Hmm. that if it was only released, it would change him, his family, the, the environment that he's in. And in fact, the world, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, guys, we know that when we said yes to Jesus, the Spirit entered us. But here's the problem. I firmly believe that we, men and women, Christians today, for the most part, have put a cap on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because you see, if the cap was not on, the world would not look the way it does. Christians would not be viewed the way they are because the power of God would be unleashed. But we have so many great men and women of God who are living out their purpose, but they're stopping short of giving the full keys to, to God's kingdom back to Him to let Him reign in their lives, to let Him flow through their lives. And that is where the greatest challenge is. That's what's scary to me because that's where each man can say, my goodness, Lord, flow through me and just use me in a powerful way. Don't let me be concerned about who I am. Only let me be concerned with who you are. And that's why we say to leave a Christ-centered legacy.
0: That's The spirit that's
1: of God powerful. needs to flow through us, guys, because if, he does, if we don't allow him to do so, my goodness, you know, the, the, the next quote that I think you want to talk about really speaks to that point
0: so 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 guys driving to work right now listen to this podcast you know we have a guy a south dakota farmer right now listening we've got a tennis coach in south africa we've got a roof installer in buffalo wyoming we got guys all over here listening to this thing the question some of these guys might be saying is hey i get it joe how do i do that how do i how do i release my life and receive this power what is the what is the next step what would you tell these guys to do
1: Again, it's, it's the steps of the pillars. It's understanding who God wired you to be, your real persona, your real true identity, your purposeful identity, because we're, we're going to get purpose in there. When he reveals all that to you, you start putting the pieces together and recognizing that this Jesus that I call my, my Savior is really the Lord. He is who he said he is. And if he said that the Spirit is dwelling within me, I need to trust that that is true, and I need to go to places I never dreamed I would have been able to go to. Step out of my comfort zone and let the Spirit of God work through you. It's a simple test of your spirit to let Him, to let you step out in faith. And faith, like I said before, is an action word. Step out in faith, let Him flow, and just watch Him work. It's all about trust. And letting
0: them fly. I, I see. I love that. Some some of these guys listening to our podcast need to start letting go of the things they've trusted in, mm. and just trust in Jesus and surrender their life to Him and let Him take control. So, my greatest mm. quote in your book, Les Brown, and uh, I actually have a legacy seminar I do, and I went mm-hmm. and cut typed it, cut and pasted it into my seminar. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm going to just end on this quote and let you just make a comment and then we'll give our guys our boots-on-the-ground action items. So here's the quote from Les Brown. The graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take the first step. Keep with the problem or determine to carry out their... T- take this first step, keep with the problem, or determine to carry out their dream. Thoughts?
1: That sums everything up, doesn't it? For sure. You know, God has built us for purpose. He has built us to be change agents. The reality is it requires action. It requires trust, and it requires faith. Every man is equipped to to be successful and to win in this life that we, we've been given by God. But it cannot do it alone. He needs to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. He needs to trust in the power of his his Lord and Savior. He needs to trust in the prayer and the convictions that God will give him through that prayer. We need to recognize we are not alone. We cannot do it alone. And if we partner with the most powerful being that has ever existed, we cannot fail.
0: I love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, uh, I want to, if I want to get your book or point it, push it out to guys that want your book, Legacy Minded Men. No, Legacy Minded Man.org. No, it's Legacy Minded Men. org. Dot org. Okay, Legacy, Legacy Minded Men. Minded Men. Dot org. And you, they can pick up your book. And uh, guys, go check out this uh, movement. These guys are doing some great stuff. I think you're really going to be inspired. And uh, start a conference in your home, right? Absolutely. Post a conference in your home. So go check out the website. Fun stuff, you guys. Hey, guys, uh, you may be wondering, hey, what's the what's the next action step? So here's what I've been thinking about this, Joe. What can we ask mm-hmm. our guys to do? Yeah, we want to get your book. Yeah, we want to go to your website. But, guys, I want you to think, when you think legacy, I want, I want to think of uh, your life after you're gone. So what I want you to do is this. I want you to write your own epitaph. What do you want to be put on your tombstone when you die? Just a few words. I want you to think about that. Sit down. Write that down. And uh, we'll also post that on our uh, as a boots on the ground for our podcast. So, Joe, thanks so much for coming on our show, uh, sharing thanks, your wisdom and experience. I sure had a blast with you today, man.
1: Thank you. God bless you guys. Hey, Keep stay. Doing
0: it. Stay safe in the hurricane, brother. God bless.
1: Thanks, man. Be blessed. All right,
0: bye. Hey, guys, did you know that Men in the Marine is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that exists to inspire you to become your best version, guys? Because of a generous group of donors like yourselves, we're able to offer our resources free to the three Ms. Missionaries, guys who are active in the military, and men in underdeveloped nations will shoot those resources to you through electronic version for free, and we can do that because we got a great team of supporters who are championing the cause of this ministry. Guys, until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Leave a legacy. Grind it out, and be a man.
2: Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.